This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the Tune In radio app. And this is Encounter with God. You're on listening to Faith FM and joining us, continuing to join us in the studio is Sven Erstring. Good to be here, Lyle. It's we have a uh, We have our Encounter with God section, our 20 million movement, where we study the same passage of the Bible as 20 million other people around the world at the same time. That's um, a pretty incredible thought, isn't it? It is. It mm. is. And uh, you've travelled to many parts of the world, I'm sure. I have. I have. And I found rem- small groups studying the same passage. Absolutely. I, I remember going to Hawaii and so I was just going on a world trip, my big overseas experience. And uh, I was on my last leg heading back to... Uh, back to um, Australia and then and then to Christchurch in New Zealand and stopped off in Hawaii and um, why I, not why not why not you know <laughs> why Waikiki not? Beach you know like kind of stuff and it as was funny you, as you would as you would I was I was traveling with this um, guy who who wasn't a, a person of faith or a Christian and um, it's really funny because wherever I'd go I'd be looking up uh, churches Seventh Day Adventist churches and um, he couldn't figure out why he he had other kind of interests. Um, which I didn't really agree with. We, we sort of uh, went, we, we traveled overseas without knowing really what, what our interests were. It's a bit of a crazy <laughs> thing. Uh, and, um, but yeah, so, so I looked up a church in Hawaii, went there, and it was just amazing. I just instantly felt at home. Yes. Yes, walk in, sit down, study the same passage of the Bible with that uh, with a small group environment there that you've been studying uh, all week, you know, right around the world. And then guess what? They invited me home for lunch. Uh-huh. You know, Hawaii has to be some of the friendliest churches I've ever been to, I think. I've never really? I've never been to a church in Hawaii with just without just being totally um, loved on and fed and showered with. You know, maybe it's just that um, it's a combination I think of Polynesian um, hospitality and, and the American, warmth and, and American hospitality and, and the warmth. The warmth, warmth does go a long way. Yeah, yeah. Do you find that warmer climates? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so the the moral of the story is we should all move to a warmer climate. Then you know, it was, on this same trip, I I went to Germany, right? So um, started off at Munich. So South South Germany, uh-huh. and um, got off the train with a big backpack. I mean, this is this is the backpacking you know era of my life, and uh, and a, a jogger just came up, stopped, and asked us German jogger, and asked us, "Do we need a hand? Do we know where we're going?" Um, it was just amazing. That's and awesome. then and then we went up to travel by train to Berlin, and everybody's cold, got their jackets on, sort of really focused on getting to work. It's just amazing how, how the warmer it is, the more friendly people are. I went to France. And, and French people are kind of legendary if you don't speak French. They don't want to talk to you. Well, but in I went Paris, to, in Paris, that, that's true. But I went to southern France and everyone was so friendly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right because they're not in Paris. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so maybe it's a, maybe it's a combination of a big city. And a colder climate. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I reckon that's what it might be. Mm. Yeah, maybe, capital city as well. Maybe you maybe you come from a cold climate and you can uh, call us now one eight hundred three two four eight four three and tell us a story that proves Sven and I wrong this morning. So, uh, what are we going to encounter this morning? We wow. are in one of the most controversial passages of the Bible. Tell Luke, me, chapter sixteen. Let's go there. Luke chapter sixteen. Oh, this Luke sounds good. 16. I actually really like this passage. 
Um, even though we often, every now and then, we get it sent in for question of the day. Like, what on earth is Jesus talking about in this passage? Right this here? might be a bit fiery. Okay, so Luke chapter 16, and uh, where will we start here? Let me see, let me see, let me see. Luke chapter 16, we'll start in verse 19. 19, yeah. okay. If you could start for us there, please. No problem at all. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. Keep going, keep going. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received good things, and in Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but for but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Fascinating story that we've got right here. And of course, it raises some huge questions about what happens when a person dies and why would Jesus tell a story like this? And is this what heaven is like? Is this what hellfire is like? Well, you've, you've thrown a real spanner, a real spinner this morning in the counters. <laughs> Don't blame me. This is the 20 million movement. We are all studying, studying the same passage of the Bible together. But there's also a story here that looks at, uh, well, the issue of social welfare. Indeed. That Indeed. We often skip over when we, when, we, when we look at this particular passage. Okay, but before we get to that social welfare aspect of this particular story. We do have to address the elephant that is in the kitchen um, or the bedroom or whichever room you want it to be in. But there is definitely an elephant in the room right here. What's that elephant, um, Sven? What does it mean by Abraham's bosom or side? <laughs> okay, no, Abraham. no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I got you there. I got you there. <laughs> well, that's a very important aspect of this particular parable. I'm, yes. No, the, the question is this, is that when you die, do you go to heaven, uh, as it says that Lazarus did, or, or to Abraham's side, if I could be more particular or specific, mm-hmm. accurate. And uh, the rich man goes to Hades in torment. That is the big million-dollar question. Okay, so do you do righteous people go straight to heaven and wicked people go straight to hell? 
Um, it, it definitely seems to indicate it in this passage, wouldn't you say? It does. It does. Well, no, no, no. Let, let's let's be a little bit more <laughs> specific. Remember, I, I was being accurate here. So it says uh, he I can was, give you a hard time over this one. You can. You can. No, it says that that the poor man poor man went to Abraham's side, or in the King James version, Abraham's bosom, which I mentioned before. So, mm-hmm. so that is the, that is the real place that we're talking about here in this passage. Okay. And then the other one is Hades. So what is is Hades? And so that that's something we need to wrestle with. So I want to just really be accurate, Lyle. Not not get into these generic kind of, ah. you know. Uh, so the Bible do, the Bible doesn't actually say that the poor man went to heaven. No, no, it doesn't. And it doesn't say he was he was actually conscious. Doesn't say he said well, anything. I could argue with you on that one. I because because he was having conversation, so he must have been conscious. No, the poor man. You said the the poor man is, yes. doesn't have a conversation, so he could be asleep. Oh, there you man. go. Interesting. So the poor man never says anything. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. But the rich man is conscious. The rich man. He ha- he has a lot to say. He has a lot to say. Yes. Yeah. So and, that's a bit of Abraham, a Abraham is conscious, and he has a lot to say. There you go. Um, but it is interesting that you point out that there is no mention of um, the poor man going to heaven. He could be here. sleeping. It could be. Yes. Yeah. Well, the Bible does does actually say uh, that he was resting in Abraham's bosom in my translation. Right. That, <clears throat> that's really, really interesting. He was resting there. Okay, so we're going to answer very, very quickly um, for the sake of uh, uh, you, our listener this morning, um, what does happen to a person when they die, and then we're going to look at the concept of hellfire. And then we're going to look at um, what this passage is talking about. And then we're going to look at um, social welfare within this passage right here. Okay, so we have to ask ourselves the question. It's a very, very simple one. Uh, You've got kind of two options as to what happens when a person dies. Either one cancels the other out. One is the resurrection and the other is um, immortality. So you've got the immortality of the soul versus the resurrection. So a resurrection is pretty pointless if you're already alive. You see how they kind of cancel each other out, right? It's like, well, why would you have a resurrection if you're already alive? Well, you can bring the body back to their Yeah, spirit. but if that's the, if that's the preferred uh, state to be in, why would God deprive us of the body for a period of time? That doesn't seem to make any sense to me at all you know that'd be the question that would be front and center on my mind to ask right there well you're listening to faith fm positively different radio Okay, Sven, you sounded super excited to throw something at me right I was then. super excited. Well, well, Lyle, look, we need to go to other passages in the Bible and find out what the Bible says in totality, the, okay. whole, the whole thing. So, so we've, got, we've got this story, this yes, parable here. We do. Uh, but what about the rest of the Bible? What does the rest of the Bible say about what happens Indeed. when you die? Resurrection or immortality of the soul. Okay, Resurrection. Sven, Sven, I want you to give me a passage of the Bible says that, that says that the soul is immortal. I mean, come on, there's, there's, there's the soul and the spirit, right, are mentioned over 1,700 times in the Bible. Give me a verse that says that uh, either the soul or the spirit are immortal. Crickets. Uh, <laughs> Crickets? I, look, look, I... <laughs> you've got me there. There is none. You've got 1,700 references to choose from, and there's not a single solitary one of them that uses the word soul or spirit and says that it's immortal. And yet... 
you know, within Christianity, we hear it all the time. Uh, pretty much every funeral that we go to, the soul is immortal. But okay, so so let's go to the other evidence, Lyle. Is there any verse which says that the the a person is asleep when they die? How many do you want me to give you? And uh, which one? And where do you want me to start? Let me give, let give me, me one to start off with. Okay, so we are. Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter eleven, and let's read verse eleven. John 11, verse 11. What do you got for us there, Sven? John 11, verse 11. After this, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. So, he is got- this the same Lazarus? Ooh, now that's a really good question. These are the only two Lazaruses that we find in the Bible, and I think that there is a connection between the two. And the reason I see a connection between the two is that the first Lazarus, the poor man, um he is, um, you, you know, the, the, the rich man says, you know, send Lazarus back from the dead because if someone's resurrected from the dead, they will believe. And Jesus says, look, if you, if you can't believe the Old Testament, they won't believe even if someone comes back from the dead. And then Lazarus. he goes on to raise someone Lazarus. named Lazarus from the dead and they don't believe and they leave that event to go and conspire how they can kill him. That's incredible. That's it incredible. Is. But, like, so what you've drawn my attention to here or our attention to is that Lazarus died yes. in, in John chapter 11, but Jesus says our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. So he was sleeping. That's right, because a, a couple of lines further on in verse 14, yeah, because the disciples are like, oh, he's sleeping, he'll get better. And Jesus turns around and like, no, he's dead. So that's pretty powerful. Yes. So, so that, that's a real, this is a real historical story. This Absolutely. is a real historical account. That's right. And Jesus is saying, Lazarus has fallen asleep. Now, my next question is this. Let's think about Mary and Martha. Did they, had they heard the teachings of Jesus? Did they knew what Jesus stand for? Absolutely. For? Absolutely. All right. Yeah. They, they, he, he was somebody who would spend time in their home. He'd, he'd eat with them. He was a house guest, a regular house guest. Exactly. And the Bible talks about how they would just sit there and ask him questions and listen to his teaching. Okay, so, you know, four days after Lazarus has died, Jesus goes to the family and he meets Martha. Uh, let's go down to verse... And, and, of course, you know, when you go to visit somebody who's just lost a relative, you want to say something comforting, don't you? Exactly. Verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Okay, so Martha, who knows the teachings of Jesus, says, verse 24. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. All right, let's stop there for a moment. I've been to many funerals where you hear these statements like, oh, they're in a better place now. They're with God now. You know, God loved them so much he wanted to take them. Um, you know, all these kinds of statements, um, you know, the is 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 that where where Jesus has uh, is that the kind of comfort that Jesus gives? No, you don't need to worry about Lazarus, Martha, because he's now with my Father in heaven. No, it's it's he will rise in the last days. And Martha knows exactly what he's talking about. And Martha's like, yeah, but, you know, that's a ways off. That's the last days. I have to wait until the end of time before I get to see him again. But isn't it rather comforting, you know, my my grandmother and my grandfather passed away. And to think of them, hey, they're up there in heaven. Isn't that kind of comforting? Well, if it's anything like the story of the rich man and Lazarus, definitely not. True. Um, If the rich man and Lazarus is an actual account of what heaven and hell is actually like, that's like got to be the most least comforting story in the entire Bible because you've got your friends in uh, 
and relatives in heaven who are watching their friends and relatives who were not saved burning in hellfire for eternity. And that's a really funny thing, Lyle, is because I've, I've gone to quite a few funerals in my, in my life, and, and for some funny reason it seems to be growing as well. Uh, I don't know, there's, there's, there's some kind way, of dynamic. Uh-huh. We stop going to weddings and start going Go to, to funerals. funerals. Exactly. But you know, every funeral that I've gone to, nobody ever says, oh, look, your, your son is now, now in hell. They, no, they I have, I, I've never heard that at a funeral. I've been to some funerals of people who we would, uh, you know, to the evidence that we have, we would assume they might not be saved. That's, that's exactly right. They, they were atheists. They, Made they lived profession. a very immoral life. They, you know, they, they cheated on their, their girlfriend or the wife, you know, embezzled lots of money, all sorts of things. But, but they never say, hey, you know, they're, they're in hell now. So, but you know, the other interesting thing is this, is that it's not only about comfort, you know, what's, what's psychologically comforting to me, but it's also, I want to know the truth, Lyle. I know, I want to know what really happens when we die. Not, not just what gives me comfort, but, but are we really sleeping when we, when we die, is my grandparents sleeping when they die? And this is what we see right here. Well, and this is what I love about this story is because when Jesus raises the Lazarus, let's say that Lazarus has literally gone to heaven, how horrific would it be to raise him back to life here on this earth? Back to the, to Dark, the pain and dingy, suffering. pain, suffering, where he has to then die, you know, again and, you know, after he's been in heaven. That's pretty horrific. Jesus doesn't say to Lazarus, you know, come down or come up. He says, come out, because he was in the grave in front of him, right there. While we're in John, yes. we're going to look at a couple of verses real quick. Um, John chapter, let me just go, John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Now, verse 28 will be fine. John five twenty eight. John 5, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Okay, so where does the Bible say that the dead are at the end of time when Jesus comes back? They will be in their tombs. Okay, so notice the Bible does not say that the hour is coming in which um, all that are in heaven are going to come back to this earth and re-inhabit their bodies. Hmm, interesting. It says that they're all in their tombs. Okay, go to Daniel. And there's chap- two resurrections as well. There's, oh, absolutely. So both, both are resurrected. Really interesting point. Mm-hmm. So the next verse is? Uh, Daniel 12 and verse 2. Daniel 12 and verse 2. Coming up, coming right here. Daniel 12 and verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That sounds like it's confirming exactly what Jesus said right yeah, here. They in sleep John. in the dust of the earth, waiting for the resurrection. That's right. We could go from verse after verse after verse after verse, then we're going to find exactly the same thing. No, nah, but Lyle, we've got to come back to the story. The elephant in the, the elephant in the kitchen. Room. The elephant in the room. All so, right. One more, one more thing that we need to look at before we address the elephant. And I think for this one we'll use Malachi. Malachi? We had Malachi, the Italian prophet. Malachi? Why is he Italian? Huh? He's not Italian. He's Italian. Malachi, no. Yeah. He's Jewish. He's Jewish as they come. He's Italian. He's Italian. It's, okay, so what's the verse? Malachi. Malachi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me the verse. We call him the Italian prophet. Okay, this one is in relationship to hellfire. Ooh. Verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers evil will be stubble. 
The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts. So leave them neither root nor branch. Okay, so how much does hellfire leave? Nothing. Uh, what do they become? Verse 3. They become... Okay, so verse 3. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. So okay, ashes. so once again, once again, ashes. They turn to ash. Yes. Once again, we find that hellfire is not eternal. People don't live in hellfire. They die in hellfire. That's the purpose of hellfire is to make the universe clean again. God is not in the business of preserving evil for the rest of eternity. God is in the business of getting rid of evil. That's That's the whole reason that hellfire exists that reminds me of you know that saying when you're at a uh at a funeral they say dust to dust dust ashes to ashes yes like just deceased uh turn back to ash turn back to ash yeah okay so there is definitely an elephant in the room here in luke chapter 16 that we're going to have to look at in more detail because we could look at a multitude of verses in the bible that tell us that hellfire is not eternal and that people die there rather than live. Uh, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is not eternal life. Um, we can look at a bunch of verses in the Bible that says that we sleep in the grave until the resurrection. There's no verse that says that the soul is immortal. If you want to send one through, our number is 1-800-324-843, and we would love to hear from you. How does that then fit in with this story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 16? Tell you a mystery We shall not all sleep But we shall all be changed In a moment In the twinkling of a At the last trumpet For the trumpet will sound And the dead will be Put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So sleep sweetly until he comes, he's coming soon to wake you up. Sleep sweetly until he comes. Together. 
That was Carly Fletcher, Sleep Sweetly. Uh, great song right there and going right along with what we are talking about. We need to do another clue. For, did we do even do our clue for the quiz? No, we haven't done that. Ah, where is it? Let me just grab it. Coming here right up. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. No, it's not that one. It's this one. Ooh, did we have this one? My mother's name was... Okay, so let's run through them real quick just to remind ourselves. I was put to death because I asked to have Abishag as my wife. My mother's name is Haggith. Interesting names they had back in the day. I'm sure they were very beautiful people and beautiful names, but I've never met an Abishag or a Haggith. Have you? No. I look forward to meeting them. Maybe, maybe we should, maybe we should uh, find somebody to revive these names. You know, you get a, you get a, uh, a beautiful person attached to an unusual name, and it makes the name popular and beautiful. Have you noticed that? But do you really want to go through life with those names, Lyle? Yeah, I think, I think if you, yeah, think no. about it, think about I it. Guess, mate. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not. Okay, in fear of Solomon, I clung to the horns of the altar, hoping he would spare my life. Ooh. And the next clue is, I sought to steal the throne of Israel from David and Solomon. So this is definitely an obscure one this morning. You might need to go and do some research to find out who was the son of Haggith and wanted to marry Abishag. And if you can find that out, then give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491-064-669. With the answer, and you will have a prize coming your direction. Sounds good to me. Sounds Back good. To- What's the prize? Uh, swing around in your chair and uh, grab us a prize from the prize pile there, uh, Sven, and we will um, let you know what it is. Okay, what have you got for us there? It's Spirit Baptism and New Wineskin Fellowship. Wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be uh, Dennis Smith? Smith? Yes. Dennis Smith. Yes. Fantastic. That's the prize. And uh, give us a call right now, and that copy could be yours. Back to our Bible study. Back to the, we the have, elephant. We have noted that the Bible is consistent, that when you die, you sleep in the grave waiting for the resurrection, and that if you are an evil person, you, that you are then killed in hellfire and burnt to ashes until there is nothing left. And yet, in Luke chapter 16, we have this one aberration. This is the story that, that my, my good friends from other churches, uh, other denominations, will turn to mm-hmm. if they if you want to find if they want to find um, evidence for yes. for life uh, following death uh, yes. immediately or yes. immortality to the soul and internal hellfire that's exactly right this is the story that we turn to so how do we answer them well my my first question is this or my first observation is this you either have to take this literally as in this is a literal depiction of what happens when a person dies or you have to take it allegorically, spiritually, metaphorically, etc. And if you do, you can't pick and choose between the two as to, well, I'm going to take these parts as being allegorical and spiritual, but this one is definitely literal. The parable itself is either, is either one or the other. So are there elements in here which would lead us to see this as allegory? Okay, so what I would argue is that Jesus went out of his way, he went to an extreme. He even went to the absurd, right? To actually emphasize the fact and to protect us from 
ever trying to take this as a literal depiction of what happens when a person dies. So there, there would be uh, indicators in here. There'd, there'd be signs yes. that would say this this is a story to grab your attention, mm-hmm. to but to let you know that this is not to, to be teach taken. a spiritual lesson. But this is not this is not literal. Fantastic. So that's what we're going to find. Is mm-hmm. it is it literal or is it allegory? Is it just a a story to grab our attention? So the bunch of questions immediately come to my mind as soon as I look at it from that particular perspective. And the first one is: If every righteous person who dies goes and rests in Abraham's side, how big is Abraham? Must be huge. Yes, that would that that kind of worries me a little bit. Uh, then we find that the rich man he dies and he goes to hellfire. And when he gets to Hellfire, we find that um, he can see Lazarus and Abraham, and we would assume everybody else, but how is he able to recognize Lazarus amongst the multitude of the saved? How is he even able to see Abraham? Well, I guess Abraham would have to be ridiculously huge, so maybe that kind of makes sense. Um, and why is it that people in Hellfire can see people that are in heaven and vice versa? Is heaven going to be heaven if you can see Hellfire? Doesn't sound to me like it would be. I wouldn't like to be there. Hmm. I hate seeing people suffer. It's the most awful thing ever. If or have a conversation with them. Five minutes of that and I have PTSD for the rest of eternity. Who wants that? Hmm. There's an indicator here. Yeah, that, that's right. There's an indicator. Or ha- Have a conversation. Okay, so how close are they? How close is heaven and hell from each other? Where you can just talk across the gap. Well, it it, it reminds me of a, a hike I did in, in England. In the you know the Lake District yes. in England? Beautiful. So area. There, there's another area in England called the Hills District. And um, it's interesting because I came from uh, New Zealand. That's where I, I did my university studies and I went to England to, to, to go to work. And um, in New Zealand, if you go hiking in the Southern Alps, like there's no one there. There's, there's literally, um, it's you and the, the mountains and the rivers. It, it's fantastic. It's, it's really, it's, really cool. Because you've got a large wilderness area that you, you are sharing with about, uh, well, down in the South Island, what, 500,000 people? Exactly, exactly. So, Maybe so, a million. Yeah, exactly. So, so I went to England. And you're now on a similar-sized island sharing it with 80 million people? Exactly. So, <laughs> so I'd go hiking in the Hills District in England, um, and um, you could literally see on the other side of the, uh, of the valley, there'd be other groups as well. It'd be like packed. It was like, it was like being in Sydney. No, not, not as busy as Sydney, but you know, it was really, really, really busy. And the thing is, you could hear them all the time. Like you couldn't hear words, but you could certainly hear them. And it was really interesting from a, from a New Zealand point of view, uh, being able to, to hear these people. It kind of really changed the whole experience of, of hiking, I must admit. But the thing is that you could, you could hear their chatter, but you couldn't really hear words. So my point is this, is that if the, the rich man could actually talk to Abraham and they could have a conversation. Uh, that actually have to be reasonably close. I mean, it doesn't say they're yelling at each other. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Okay, and then we find uh, this, th- this is probably the most absurd part of it all. Right. The rich man is in hellfire and he asks for a drop of water to be dropped onto the tip of his tongue. But that's a very logical request. I mean, if you're <laughs> if you're burning away, 
I mean, you want some kind of relief, you know, just even a drop. I mean, get the a- drop of waters, Ben. Give me a fire hose. Drown me already. You know, if I'm going to ask for something, a drop of water on the tip of my tongue is going to evaporate in about 30 milliseconds if I am in hellfire. So, so you're telling me that people in hell uh, could call across the gulf to Abraham specifically mm-hmm. and they'd That's be asking for drops of water on the tip of their tongue. On the tip of the, the tip tongue. of the, the tip of the tongue, the Bible says. Uh huh. One drop on the tip of the tongue. That's what oh. it says my translation. Wow. Okay, so my question is this: um, Really, you, that, that's that's what you want when when you're in in in, in uh, burning in hellfire. You want a drop of water on the tip. of Okay, your tongue? so so let's say s- what I'm saying here is that Jesus is is going out of his way to use the absurd to emphasize the fact that we should not be taking this literally. Jesus could not have gone further to emphasize. Do not take this as a literal depiction of heaven and hell. Because there's Abraham's bosom, there's Abraham's side, uh, there's the, <clears throat> this gulf, they're chatting to each other, they've got this drop of water. It, it's oh, by the way, get... they also have, they're not disembodied souls either. They've got hands, feet, tongues, mouths, uh, bosom, you know, etc., etc., etc. These are not disembodied souls, these are bodies. It's, it's starting so to get all, pretty bizarre. Where's all the empty graves on earth if all the bodies are uh, either in heaven or hell? Well, you wouldn't need a resurrection if you already have your body up in heaven or in hell. That's right. Okay. So I think we've uh, emphasized this point quite well. We're going to pick up the story again tomorrow because we haven't really got to the meat of, uh, of what this lesson is all about. But right now we have Gavin Shatalia as water to the thirsty. Once again, our producer is on the ball. I think I'd like some water and I'd be pretty thirsty if I was in the rich man's situation in this particular scenario. Water to the thirsty As beauty to the eyes As strength that follows weakness As truth instead of lies As summertime and springtime And summertime to be So is my Lord, my living Lord So is my Lord to me I come in place of clamor Like peace that follows pain Like meeting after parting Like sunshine after rain Like moonlight and starlight And sunlight on the sea So is my Lord, my living Lord, so is my Lord to me.
to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio. What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience? A rewarding career? Great employment prospects? When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education, designed for life. Hey, Mon. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh, yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile.
Welcome back, everybody. We have a uh, question of the day coming up, and we have been so busy here discussing the question of the day. It's a very, very good one that somebody has been sending. We're having an intellectual discussion on uh, the answer to it that uh, we actually may have slightly missed the beginning of the uh, this time slot. <laughs> anyway, um, Sven. Let me ask you this question. Ben has sent this through. It's a really good question. Okay, so so Ben has asked... Lucifer was the crown and glory of God's creation, with superior knowledge, high intelligence, and created sinlessness. So why would God's most perfect creation willingly choose to reject God, knowing the consequences of his actions would determine his eternal fate and ultimately become the source and essence of all evil? Okay. So really what it comes down to is why would the most perfect being choose to sin, knowing it would destroy everything? This is a really good question. The Bible describes this, you know, because the normal question, as we were just discussing here a moment ago, the typical question I get is how, not why, it's how did a perfect being sin? If, if, if Satan was perfect, how could he sin? And my answer to that is he could sin because he was perfect. If he could not sin, then he would not have the power of choice. He would be a robot and he would be an imperfect being. The fact that he could sin shows that he was perfect uh, because only a being that has the power of a choice is a being that is able to both love and experience love. What we've got here is somebody who is a perfect being who knows the consequences and yet chooses to sin in a sinless environment. Okay, so to, to make this, this question even a little bit more complicated, uh, we have to recognize that as human beings, We've got a sinful nature, right, Sven? And, and as a result of that, we automatically, our, our natural impulse is to rebel against God and to sin. That's what the human nature naturally does. Whereas Satan didn't actually have that natural impulse towards sin. It's almost like he just woke up one day, and I'm sure it wasn't like this. I'm sure it was something that took place over a very, very long space of time. And he just sort of woke up one day and like, you know what? I'm going to go on a path of self-destruction. The Bible calls what Satan did the mystery of iniquity. So why? Why did he choose to do that? In ourselves, we see a seed of the answer in the nature of sin itself. At some particular point, the thought entered his mind and it was probably rejected. And then it entered his mind again, and he began to think about it. In He began to play with it. And what happens with sin is that when sin comes into your mind, the first time that you know the temptation comes your way, it's typically like, I would never, ever even consider doing such a horrific thing ever in my entire life. 
But if you let it stay there and you let it grow, it might take decades. It might grow incredibly slowly, but it's like a seed. It's like a plant. If you don't kill it, it will continue to grow. And what I see taking place here is that Satan didn't kill the idea. And as a result of that, you're living in, in, uh, you know, in God's universe where beings are immortal. You have eternity to deal with. We don't know how, what kind of time period this was over. But it began to grow until it became an unstoppable force in his life. And of course, then once he set his path, you know, clearly God, we know God's character. God would have done all that he could to bring Satan back and provide for Satan uh, a way of repentance, a way to come back in exactly the same way that he provides for us. And I'm absolutely convinced in my mind that on many occasions, Satan turned around and was like, yes, I'm going to put this aside, but he never actually fully killed the seed of sin. He never actually fully surrendered. It's like somebody who wants to give up smoking, gets rid of all of the smokes out of their house except for one. If you leave it there, it will grow and it will bring you down. And that's what brought Satan down in the end. He just left it in his mind for too long until it completely took him over. And what we have in our universe right now is the result of that. This is uh, Shane and Shane with Take Over. You're listening to Faith FM. Thirsty, I'm thirsty for you. In a dry land with no drink, I need you. know you made a home inside this heart of stone so turn it into flesh spirit soften it I give you all I have I'm holding nothing back Jesus I am yours Jesus I am
Shane and Shane with Takeover here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show. Nobody has snapped up the prize yet. Uh, I'll give you one last quiz and see if you can get it before uh, the end of the news and we'll still give you the prize. Um, My father is David. My name begins with an A. I'm either Amon, Ahaz or Adonijah. 
And the prize looks pretty good. And the prize looks pretty good. Spirit Baptism. Spirit Baptism by Dennis Smith. Okay, we need to give something away because it is the end of the show. So, uh, Zven, if you want to swivel around in your chair again, grab something out for the uh, giveaway, the non-prize giveaway. This is... uh, this is this this just goes for being the first caller through. So get ready to call one eight hundred three two four eight four three, and we have something coming your way. What have you got for us there, Zven? It's a book called "Loose That Man and Let Him Go." Okay, mm, looks so interesting. It does. It's a very significant book written by uh, I. I'm thinking an African American. It is. It is. It's about healing, restoration, and uh, just finding your your place. In, in God's identity for you. And is this a book particularly focused at uh, men? It is. It, T. Day Jakes has an urgent message for every man today. So it's, it's for the men out there. But That's look, good. even, even we, if you're a, a, a woman and have got a man in your life, this may be the book that will enable you to understand and help uh, us all grow closer to Christ as well. And it's interesting, right in the back here it says, Like Lazarus. So it talks about Lazarus too. That's pretty cool. That's awesome, and we need books like this in our world right now. We have a gender split within Christianity that other religions do not have, and we need to address that by particularly reaching out to the men amongst Christianity. But we have come to the end of the show, which means that we need to remind you that if you'd like to study the Bible, you need to give us a call. Uh, But right now, if you'd like that book on uh, men's ministry, call us on 1-800-324-843. Be the first caller through right now, and we will join you again tomorrow. Outside that day, they said, Where is the tax for your teacher? Everyone is expected to pay. So Peter went in to see Jesus, but before he could utter a word, Jesus asked Peter this question, because he knew what Peter had heard. Now how do the kings of this earth get their money For all of the things they want done Do they levy a tax on their subjects Or does it come from their daughters and sons Peter said, Lord, you know it's their subjects They get taxed by the royalty Jesus said, yes, you've answered correctly So their sons and their daughters are free Every king taxes his subjects But his sons and his daughters are free His sons and his daughters are free Free of religion's demands and decrees Heirs to a throne beyond rank or degree His sons and his daughters are free His sons and his daughters are free. So the next time you hear someone tell you When the plate starts coming around That a tithe must come out of your paycheck Or the judgment of God will come down 
remember the words of the master Cause they're still just as strong as can be A king doesn't tax his own family His sons and his daughters are free His sons and his daughters are free Free of religion's demands and decrees Heirs to a throne beyond rank or degree His sons and his daughters are free His sons and his daughters are free So where does this leave a believer? How does godly royalty behave? Will you give with his spirit's compassion? Not living in fear like a slave Bow down to no mask of religion Believe who he's made you to be You're a child of the king of creation And his sons and his daughters are free His sons and his daughters are free of religion's demands and decrees Far beyond hierarchy, rank or degree His sons and his daughters are free His sons and his daughters are free Free of religion's demands and decrees Heirs to a throne